and welcome to special edition number 46 of What's On Joe Mind. It's a Joe Con roundup, folks. Joining me were my compatriots this year, Joe Con, Mike, and Justin. Fellas, welcome back. Yeah! That's a little Western. It, it's Joe Con roundup. Okay. Fine. Come on. Yeah, let that slide, I guess. That's not the worst connection I have made on. I thought you were trying to imitate Brian Savage. No. No, I'm not wearing any George. <laughs> Although I did just get them out for the for the spring and summer season, so free flowing. Huh? Be premiering okay. them soon. Not Daisy Dukes, I hope. No, no, no. Those those got tossed. All right. While we're talking about this, I would encourage everyone to go to Toy World Order and listen to Dave and Duvall's podcast Palooza with us as we sat down in the lobby where it was pandemonium going on. It will really give you your best audio example of really what it's like at JoeCon after hours in the hotel. I can't really say that that was an abnormal experience whatsoever, despite everything that happened. Yeah, we had uh, just people coming up left and right to throw their two cents on whatever we were talking about, completely oblivious to the fact that we were recording a show. (laughs) Um, Dave Bishop. The Dave Bishop cameo just starts arguing with Gary. (laughs) It wasn't me. Or no, it was Draper, I'm sorry. Dave Bishop appears courtesy of Dave Bishop Inside Sports. You've heard us talk about it, of all the antics and after-hours fun and discussions. Listen to that. I can't think of a better example. I really, really can. Yeah, we, we recorded that one Saturday night, so there's going to be some some stuff that we're recapping again, but uh, there'll also be Sunday and, and the, the post-con stuff that we'll be covering fresh tonight. Mike, you sound the healthiest still of the crew. Yeah, I, I didn't get hit by the con crud like you guys did this year. I, I managed to get out. Actually, today is probably the worst I've felt, and that's just I think it's more because the weather got cold out here, so my sinuses went nuts. Justin, I think your con crud maybe has to do is you decided that you wanted to spend extra days and close with people in a car yeah that probably wasn't the best idea for my health but um yeah i was feeling a little under the weather at the end of con and then uh got all bundled up in a small foreign vehicle and traversed another 18 hours in stale air with with uh people like uh christopher the english Ooh, an exotic flu who knows what kind of bacteria they brought over from uh, their side of the pond but i'm Mm. I'm still feeling it here we are you know it's over a week later and i'm I'm, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> as if on, as if on cue. Yeah. There you go. And I'm still the, suffering through it. So the bad teeth flu. <laughs> Jeez. A couple of days ago, my voice was at 80. And for some reason today, it took a downturn. I'm about 60%. The day we got back from convention, cause we'd left Monday and then I was going to go to work on Tuesday. That wasn't happening. And I actually went through the entire week up until Friday. And I'm like, yeah, I got, finally got to go to the doctor. So actually, I did seek professional medications. I, I got back from Springfield at uh, about 2.15 uh, Tuesday morning, uh, woke up at 5 a.m. and went to work for a full day. So cry me a river. You are nuts, first of all. <laughs> I'm not crying a river at all. You're just f***ing nuts. <laughs> and I can't imagine why I've been sick. Yeah, I can't imagine. Shocking, that. All right, so what we're going to do is basically just look at the schedule of events from the week, run down them in rapid-fire order. We're not going to try to dwell too much on a lot of stuff that's been discussed already, but kind of give our impressions of everything. So Wednesday, the only thing of note was Golden Ticket Pickup. And Mike, your first Golden Ticket Pickup ever. How was it? Uh, on Wednesday, it was uh, remarkably easy. I bet. Just walk walk in, walk out with the con set and, and my bag set. And I, I really had no idea what was going on. I was yelling at Lanny a lot, begging him to lead me around. You were just following his magnificent quaff. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got some rock and hair. He's doing some awesome stuff with that. He is. It's, uh, Throwing it out and yeah. 
Again, I think the Allman Brothers required him to grow that in before. Was it the Allman Brothers or the Bee Gees? <laughs> uh, could be either. I suppose he's got versatility. <laughs> he's he's a talented guy. Much the uh, same way for me. Walked right up. Actually, I kind of got there towards the end of Golden Ticket Pickup, and right before the regular folk got their stuff. <laughs> Regular folk. You'll be one next year, Mike. Absolutely. <laughs> and I got ushered right to the front of the line, got my stuff, got out of there. Really, the highlight of that particular night was to get a chance to open up the comic, see all the extra stuff that we're going to be getting the next day without knowing really the prices, mm-hmm. and seeing Gary Head in the comic. I think that, that was, was the highlight of the night. That was great. That was a nice touch. That was actually a pretty cool uh, moment for us, too. We were in the car. I think we were we were coming into, I, I want to say we were... Probably still in Indiana, getting ready to come in Illinois. Yeah, and um, just the images that were coming in from the comic were just really cool to kind of review those and see um, see what was uh, what what we could expect. And seeing seeing Gary show up, I kind of had the guys grabbing my, my phone off the dash and flipping through some of the pictures and stuff. That was a pretty cool experience. Made sure you had all those d- pics deleted, right? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, no, I, you know, I think at that point, McLeod was writing shotgun, so I probably left him there for him. Well, he was probably adding to them. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of your Wednesday, before we wrap up Wednesday and move to Thursday here, you got a chance to visit show sponsor Kokomo Toys? Absolutely. Please tell us about your experience. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, any any good thing you've heard about Kokomo Toys, you can just multiply that tenfold by actually going in the store. I mean, I've seen all the pictures of all the rows and rows of toys, but you don't really understand it until you walk in and you just see like a six-foot block of, you know, bagged-up vintage G.I. Joe vehicles just hanging, like, four deep for basically six feet down, and then you go around the corner, and then Mask has, like, a big two-feet square section of bagged vehicles and the Boulder Hill playset all priced and organized, and that was the coolest thing, I think, was just the organization and the way they kind of presented it, because I've been to plenty of those vintage toy stores where, you know, they've either got stuff kind of set up on a shelf behind a ba- behind a desk or something you have to ask to look at it or ask for prices or they've got boxes with just piles of junk in it that you got to kind of rifle through but kokomo is very well organized you know lots of great stuff all bagged and sorted and priced and very easy to kind of flip through and shop it was really really amazing every single step i took i turned around and saw some great toys you know vintage gi joe mask brave star you know masters of the universe classics they had a fantastic hot toys display it was amazing the amount of stuff they had there it was just anything you could be possibly looking for they had some vintage eagle force there which i've actually never really seen in person you know for all hmm. as nuts as i go for eagle force returns i've actually never seen a vin- an old school vintage eagle force figure in hand they had a bunch of that stuff too it was really great a lot of fun unfortunately your kokomo trip was not complete it was Mike, what makes a Kokomo trip complete? Got to go to Gordo's. Oh, uh, yeah, we didn't go to Gordo's. Mm, fail. I mean, geez, I, I got to Springfield like 6.30. I didn't really want to get there at 7. As it was, I had to wait in the commoner line to get my stuff anyway. Oh, now cry me a river. <laughs> On pickup night, whatever. All right, so now we move to Thursday. Two things occurred on Thursday. The customizing class, which went for most of the day for a lot of folks, half the day for some other folks, and the package pickup for everyone else. Mike was with me at the customizing class. Mike, how was year two of customizing for you? Uh, Very well, actually. Uh, I I think I actually did better work last year. But this year's figure looks better because it needed less work to look good. <laughs> That's true. I've got Robo Joe at home. He's 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 on display for a little while. He's basically just a straight takeoff of RoboCop. There's no real attempt to line that up with Robo Joe from the vintage line past the colors. But it, again, it's fun. 
I did not get to sit with Gary, but I got to sit with a bunch of folks, and we amused ourselves by singing the soft hits of the 70s as as portrayed by Glenn Winkler. <laughs> Ow. That must have been exciting. I should have dropped the recorder at your table. When uh, when Andrew Hall busted out some bread lyrics, that was it. We couldn't top that. We couldn't top that one. So, Andrew Hall, I tip my cap for you taking my joke and adding the exclamation point. It was me, Josh Carlson, and Troy McKee. Was it assigned seating or something? Or did you oh, just kind of work worked out? out. They had like these single skinny table rows, and then they made us all pair them off. And, and whereas gotcha. Gary and I were, were sitting pretty close to one another initially, we wound up in different paired off groups. Well, I can't yeah. imagine anybody would voluntarily sit next to Troy McKee. That was kind of why I was wondering. I don't know. Mm. It's just how it worked out. It was uh, Joel and Andrew and the immortal d JB. You're going to hear a lot about. D. Bache was the unexpected MVP of Joke on 2015. And there were some people that came strong for that MVP trophy. But I think D took it. D. Bache is, is technically the fourth chair on our program. We haven't really told him that yet, but he's technically the fourth chair. That's how strong he came. I don't think we have told Chuck that yet either. <laughs> told who? <laughs> you mean our sub host, Chuck? Oh, wow. Anyways, so. <laughs> So package pickup, I think the package pickup, as we said before, the package pickup portion of the evening tends to go by the smoothest part because they have people in groups and they got that seemingly organized. And what it does, is I think really it dumps people into the big line faster. The big line problem this year was cell signal in the stadium that they're in there. The stadium, of course, is made up of nothing but steel and lots and lots of concrete. And the cell signals that they had with their handheld credit card scanners weren't reaching the outside world. So what they were having to do is there was a, I guess, some sort of access door not far away that they had to open. And anytime they ran your credit card, they were literally stepping outside the door to run your credit card. So that's the big holdup of the night. That's secure. No, I mean, it's still secure, but still, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I, I know what you mean. I won't get back into the story again because we talked about it in Dave and Duvall's podcast, Palooza, but I was one of the first cards they ran, found out what the problem was, and at that point, they didn't run any other cards at the table. They were taking everything back behind to the access door. But the club spent, and I would say the club, Becky and Debbie spent a better part of an hour going back and forth before they finally secured our purchase. It was a uh, <laughs> adventure. The prices of everything at the store, this really is just going to include the Creos and the three and three quarter inch package stuff. I'm not even really going to get into 12 inch stuff. Because nobody else did either. I did actually have to buy the 12 inch figure for Mr. Garrison. I'm not saying that as a diss of the 12 inch product. It's excellent product. Just nobody bought it. I like how they have it on their form here. The 12 inch adventurers of African Americans. (laughs) It's 2015 and we've all completed our sensitivity training. (laughs) That was 109 bucks. The Creo Tiger Force six pack was thirty nine dollars. The Iron Grenadier Air Assault two pack seventy two. The Tiger Shark with Felino. Hey, Felino. Felicio. <laughs> Eighty three dollars. Tiger Sting with Sergeant Katzenboygen, which is bazooka to me and you, yep. at eighty three. The Tiger Force Helicopter Crew three pack at eighty six. The Tiger Hawk Helicopter one sixty eight. <laughs> Ow, that made a lot of people walk with a limp. And the Iron Anvil Officer Paratrooper, limit one, regardless if you were golden ticket or not, $34. Also up at the desk were carded 
Dr. Mindbenders at $32. So that price point seems to hold true, really, for the carded figures. I think it went up two bucks yep. before. It was like right around 30 yep. Between all of us, we all had golden tickets. Justin, did you get your limits? Yes, I got my limits. I had a couple friends I was helping out, actually. Um, somebody who's been on the show before, uh, Slick McFavorite, Jason Spiller. I was helping him out, getting him some convention stuff. So, uh, yeah, I bought bought some stuff for him and uh, helped out a, another buddy as well. Mike? I, I did there again. And like Justin, I there were a couple of folks I was assisting. Our friend Locke was was in for another set, so he was in for a third. And Jay Taylor, who was not able to make the show this year, uh, he was traveling in Peru. Like that's an excuse. No, not no out. <clears throat> he was another set. What's better, Machu Picchu or freaking Tiger Force? Tiger Force, perhaps yeah, Tiger Force it. in Machu Picchu. Okay. There you go. I was in it to profit a little bit this year. <laughs> <laughs> Scalper. I know. But although I did hook up another friend, all he did is he bought Katie's entrance. So everything that we bought for him, of course, went back to him. So I did my good deed. The vehicles traditionally do not sell. So I only got one of the helicopter for me and that was it. I only got two of the Tiger Sharks and two of the Tiger Sting, one to keep and one to flip. The Sting went right away within minutes of me putting that up. The Shark is still sitting here in my house. I really? cannot get rid of that, and the price seems to be dropping daily on that on eBay. Interesting. Hey, Felino! Hey! But the figure packs, as they always do, had no problem. Boom, boom, boom. Sold, sold, sold. They're gone. Even that Annihilator? Yeah. Wow. Even the Paratrooper. Oh, yeah. The held price from last year. Remember the Paratroopers last year were going for 125 150 uh, yep. I had an extra one. I put it up for 150 thinking, okay, well, we'll see what happens. It didn't even last a night. Wow. So... I was able to make some money back and send some back to the wife so we could start putting some savings away for rollout roll call. But in years past, things tended to not want to sell as aggressive. This year, I sold all loose figures and pretty much everything except the damn Tiger Shark, which I'm not really sure why, other than the fact that it's a straight repaint of something that you could probably find inexpensive these days, I guess. Yeah. But that doesn't explain why the Tiger Sting sold so damn fast. Right. I think vamps are just one of those vehicles. I think they, they, they could put a vamp out every year and it would it would still sell out. Justin, your thoughts on the set, the attendee exclusive, and all of the convention exclusives? I will say, I, first and foremost, Tiger Force is not my favorite thing in the world. Um, I've no, never been. <laughs> I've never been a fan of Tiger Force. Even back in in the day, I just didn't really. I don't know. They didn't appeal to me. The color schemes were funky. So, I mean, I wasn't all that excited about Tiger Force to begin with. I will say the execution of some of the pieces is a lot better than I thought it might be. All the Iron Grenadier figures are really, the exception maybe Undertow Officer, are all pretty amazing. You know, I love the Iron Anvil, the Iron Anvil Paratrooper, Metalhead is pretty great, General Mayhem is really good. Uh, Undertow is is pretty good. Uh, Undertow Officer, I think, is is definitely the low point of the box set, to be sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her and Dial Tone are probably my least favorites in the box set. Um, Stalker is fantastic. You know, Rakondo's not too bad. He's all right. He's not great, not terrible. Lifeline is is Lifeline. He's a great base figure, so I don't have too many complaints with him. It's tough to argue with a figure that's that great to begin with. Uh, the three pack was pretty good too. I mean, I feel like. 
Alpine, you know, I just got my FSS shipment maybe, you know, a week and a half, two weeks ago. So it feels yeah. like, okay, I just, just got this figure. I'm kind of wondering what the point of that particular decision was. I will say that Frostbite was really good. My Frostbite actually has kind of a structural issue that unfortunately I didn't notice at the convention. I didn't notice till I got home. So I'm kind of talking with the club right now to see if there's any way that I can get that swapped out. But uh, we'll see how that goes. But the figure itself is really, really nice. Will that earn him an extra star on General <laughs> Yeah, they better move quick. Will that make uh, a five-and-a-half star figure? Sky Striker, I love um, most of Sky Striker. I'm not crazy about the head. I am glad they gave him new arms and legs. Uh, I would have preferred some different head. Uh, I did talk to Dave Lane at the show a little bit about Sky Striker, and uh, he knew there were people kind of complaining about the head, but it was just a matter of finding a head that fit that wild weasel body. They were apparently mm-hmm. had given a few different heads a shot, uh, none of them fit, so um, they they were kind of coming down to the wire, and they knew that that Slipstream head had been repainted as an ace, uh, not to mention Slipstream himself in the Rise of Cobra line, so they figured, I'll just throw that on there and, and go with it. So um, you can kind of see why some of those decisions are made. So beyond that, uh, that figure is pretty nice as well. So, you know, overall, I'm pretty happy. The vehicles, everything was very expensive. We knew it would be, you know, Savage kind of told us ahead of time because of Deco and, and Freight, we were going to be paying a little extra this year. Uh, I'm not real happy about that. I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm a little bit nervous at the fact that everything sold out because in the club's mind that says, okay, we can charge this much and people will still buy it all. It just kind of makes me wonder what's going to happen next year, maybe when we don't have to deal with air freight and we don't have to deal with a complex deco or the exclusive still going to top 600 bucks. I will admit I'm a little nervous about that. That's that's a pretty steep price, and I don't know how much longer I'll be able to choke that down every year. I mean, the vehicles, the the, the Tiger Hawk looks really nice. The Tiger Sting and, and Tiger Shark both look really nice as well. They are, like Gary already mentioned, and Mike too, they're, they're repaints of vintage vehicles that are pretty easy to acquire. You could go on eBay right now and probably find any number of vintage Tiger Sharks and Tiger Stings for pretty decent prices that would look pretty similar to what these look like. So it's weird that they are kind of looking that much on eBay, although it sounds like the Tiger Shark may not be. The Tiger Hawk, though, is something new and different that hasn't really existed before, so I can see why that might be fetching fetching some good return on investment, although... Uh, 170 bucks is a pretty steep initial investment for that. So overall, I mean, from an execution perspective, I think the club did a really good job. Tiger Force, like I said, is not really my thing, uh, at least not the domestic Tiger Force. I really do love the international Tiger Force, so I wish they had kind of maintained some of those color schemes for figures like Dialtone and Stalker. I'm really excited the FSS is going to give us out back and sneak peek. But for domestic straight, you know, yellow and black, green and brown Tiger Force, I don't find them that appealing. So the set was kind of difficult for me to roll with and to kind of get my head around just because it's not my favorite theme to begin with. Ironically, on my three-pack... I opened it up. I had two Alpine file cards. So I didn't get Sky Strikers file cards, so I'm going to have to get that squared away at the club. Typically, I open everything up at the con, but this year, a lot of the after-hours events, which we'll get into oh, yeah. here in a little bit, really occupied my time. It was difficult this year, yeah. I ended up getting two file cards for Felino. I don't know if there's any way that they can fix that particular problem, but just my luck. Normally, I check all this stuff, but not this year. I usually try to give it all a cursory look, but, I mean, Frostbite, if you look at him, he looks fine. He's just, um, he's missing some kind of joint in his elbow, so... If you just look at it, it looks normal, but his elbow just doesn't bend. Like, those pieces are all fused together somehow. So uh, I'm hoping the club can make that right, because he is, Frostbite is probably one of my favorite figures in the entire set. So I'll be pretty bummed if the uh, one I end up with can't move his right arm, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So that is Thursday for package pickup. So now we move to Friday. Really, the show opens up. 
the first thing that most folks went to the G.I. Joe Collectors Club magazine and comic Q&A with Dave Lane and Pete Sinclair. Justin, what yep. did we take out of this one? Actually, some pretty good things. I mean, they went through the basic process of how the newsletter is developed. They do that pretty much every year. Give a little instructional about the different components that make up the newsletter, encouraging people to submit their ideas and submit their stories. One thing that they actually touched on this year, which is anybody who's received their latest newsletter, will see it's already kind of coming into play. I know a lot of people have been complaining about the club comic, just it being a little tough to follow, you know, two pages per issue. It can be kind of challenging to, to get into the story and kind of see it through to its its end. Um, so Dave and Pete specifically mentioned at the roundtable that they would be experimenting with certain issues, putting longer stories in there to make sure the story keeps flowing properly um, rather than just doing two pages per issue. And um, they actually did that with the newest newsletter. It's got like a solid six or eight pages of comic story. And I love it. I think it's a really good job. It did a lot better to kind of tell their story to introduce a bunch of new characters. You see um, obviously Arctic, Do- Arctic Doctor Mindbender and Iron Claw are in here you see Steel Raven and you see, you know, Big Bear and Dragonski and Night Creeper Leader and Vipra and you even get a cameo of, of the Ice Ninja Night Creepers who are now announced for FSS 4, which is kind of a neat touch. Um, so they're going to great lengths to kind of work these characters into their comics. And because they were able to extend the length of the comic in this issue, it made a lot more sense and kind of carried along a lot better. So I, I'm really glad they did that. But yeah, that's kind of what they, they talked about. They covered... The construction and kind of what goes into it and basically encouraged everybody to, if there's any articles you want to see, submit them or let them know so they can seek them out. And um, it was it was a good panel overall. After that, everyone runs upstairs, opens the sales floor. And I guess now is a really good time to talk about what we got in. What rarities or wants did we find on the sales floor that you'd like to talk about? Mike. Once again, I managed to get myself in a position where I didn't have a whole lot of time to shop between working at booths or, or being at panels or just socializing. The folks at Roma uh, were kind enough to give me a deal on some army builders from 25th and modern age stuff to kind of pat out the ranks here at home with the uh, Resolute Cobra Troopers, which are, you know, re- real nice. popular. Those are awesome. Um, yeah, I uh, picked up another one of the uh, defensive Cobra Island sets for good price. I did a little shopping at the Chris Neal booth. There's no such thing as little shopping at Chris Neal's well, booth. There, well, there was, because it was actually, it was it was an item that Dave uh, Tree had his eye on, and I managed to, to grab it. They gave me a, a too good of a price on it to, to say no to, and I just gave it to Dave, which was only fair, because I, I did find, uh, I, I gave uh, uh, Chris a, 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 a U.S. present this year, but I couldn't find a, a football jersey in Dave's size in enough time to, to get that for him. So Not even a kicker size? No, not even kickers. Like, they they even had kicker jerseys. Uh, I always I was I was hitting the, uh, <laughs> the TJ Maxxes and the Marshalls in the area to find what Rams jersey I could get for those guys, for Rams players who are no longer on the Rams. Well, McLeod would love a Ram jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chris McLeod... Chris McLeod got the Steven Jackson number 39. Oh, that's, that's actually pretty good. You know? that, that, that's a good jersey. It's just that's he hasn't been here for two years, you know. Right, yeah. And but, so we were, right. we, were looking to get, uh, we were looking to get Dave one of the Sam Bradford collection. <laughs> and, uh, you don't want to tell him to wear it because he might blow out his knee. <laughs> yeah, 
I blow out a knee, but I couldn't find one that wasn't in extra extra mega huge. Apparently, Sam Bradford popular with the medium sized gentleman. It was funny because that was the second guess was well I'll get him the kicker, but the kicker is kind of a folk hero here in St. Louis, so they didn't have yeah, him. Yeah, he he's actually pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's one of those big leg kids who doesn't really kick field goals all that well, but man, he kicks it far. But. <laughs> So then we looked for the punter, who might be the after the Colts guy might be the best punter in football. But nobody makes shirts about no. punters. McAfee has a jersey in here. In yeah, Indianapolis. but but McAfee also has drunken escapades. McAfee has a has a cult following, mostly because he screwed up real big as a rookie and and owned up to it. Johnny Hecker has no such blots on his criminal record. What is it about your freaking Colts kickers that are alcoholics and crazy people? Did we have a, a previous one that was like that? Vanderjack? Wasn't he kind of a whack job? Okay. I'll give you points for Vanderjack. We choose to ignore him and forget about All him right. here in Good choice. Dean Biasucci had some problems with the booze. Did he really? He did. Or not Ron Stark. No, Ron Stark was just as, as vanilla as you'd think. For the longest time, he was our only Pro Bowl. Yeah, again, perhaps carrying on the proud tradition of excellent Colts punters. So, <laughs> anyways... <laughs> Back to the sales floor. <laughs> we miss you, Chris Gardaki. The Joe Con special, and we're talking football for 15 minutes. Right. We're talking Colts punters. We're talking That's Colts what? punters. Yeah, it's yeah. not just football. It's Colts punters. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with us? I'm surprised Justin doesn't know the story for McAfee. In return, Dave uh, answered. He said that my Action Force collection is a little too uh, articulated. And uh, yeah. so what he did, he, he bought one of Nova's glow-in-the-dark Krakens with the magnetic joints. Oh, nice. <laughs> So, so I've got a glow in the dark take apart Kraken on my nightstand right now, and what's what's more, I've I've made him double weird by putting his shoulders, by putting his legs where his arms should be, and his arms where his legs should be. You just have issues. I do. I, it keeps me from knocking him over. So anything else from the sales floor? No, that's really it. I kept it cheap this year. My brother did pick me up a Cobra Fury. Nice. Which I had made the remark that wow, I only saw those once in the wild. I don't think I mentioned that I had bought it that one time I saw it in the wild, but I only saw it once in a while. Justin, what'd you get? Believe it or not, as usual, I had very little time to shop the sales floor. I don't, I mean, I picked up Kavanaugh's book. Um, Who stole my answer? It was probably uh, the biggest purchase I really made at the floor. Um, I honestly, I think I spent more money at Kokomo Toys than I did at Jocon itself. Where'd you get at Kokomo? I bought some Masters of the Universe stuff at Kokomo. So it wasn't, it wasn't oh my god! Boo. No wonder he didn't want to say anything. I, cel- I celebrated Jocon by buying He-Man toys. Boo! What are you, Pixel Dan? <laughs> hey, did you see Pixel Dan put up a video today of his Joe Con recap? He got a lot of G.I. Joe stuff. I'm, Pixel Dan outshined me. He sat in Dave's panel and they decided they should go get some action force stuff. Exactly. We're slowly bringing him onto our side. Throw away those furry shorts and get some camouflage pants. Yeah, uh, James's book. I did get the exclusive comic cover that was being sold there. The the crossover with Jim and GI Joe. Oh yeah, I got that too. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about it. forgot about James's book too. Sorry, James. Yeah, I went around and found some Creos that I've been missing or been wanting to get. But the big purchases were Robo School. Nice. And also from Roma, he's been trying for the last couple years to unload a set of Mortal Kombat movie edition figures. Oh, yeah? And I told him the next time I saw him, I'd make him an offer. So he still had him, made him an offer, and pretty much have a complete run of all the three and three quarter inch Mortal Kombat carded figures. Nice. Did you get Goro? No, Goro was the one that I don't have. Mm. So that was Friday. Friday evening was the meet and greet. Anything that we want to mention about the meet and greet? It was fun. It was a good dinner. I hung out with with you know some friends as we usually do. There wasn't a whole lot of interaction with the 
Joe Leberty's in attendance, although Zartan did steal my seat, that rat bastard. I think it's because he's a Seahawks fan. I think he knew I was a Patriots fan. And he thought he I, I believe he just disguised himself as Justin Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But no, besides that, everything was uh, it was fine. It was a fine dinner, but it was, you know, it was nothing exceptional. It was really good food and you know, a nice environment. Very, it was a full room, lots of friendly conversation. So it's tough to complain about that. Yeah, before before Gary showed up, we got to swap a story or two with uh, Morgan Lofting. One thing I took out of the golden ticket meet and greet. I don't understand why they couldn't give us full plates, full size plates. <laughs> we all had these little tiny dessert hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, plates. I went up to the table like eight times with my little plates and just kept on refilling it. Yeah. And they were giving us roast beef. Yeah, and it's the roast beef you can carve off into the carver there and everything. You feel like Oliver? Can I have some more, please? Yep. I don't understand what there was some run on full size dishes at the place or something. And then you had to kill someone to find a knife in the place too. Yeah, I did. I like waited in line at the carver station for like five minutes before I could get a knife. And that's where you and I palled around that knife because we, we were both waiting for a knife yep. so we didn't have to, like savages, not Brian Savage, <laughs> have to take our meat and rip it out of our teeth. Yes. There was a, what, a crepe station and yep. some sort of pasta thing going on. Did you say possum thing? Pasta. Oh, oh, oh. It was Springfield, <laughs> Illinois. Maybe that wasn't pork. Maybe that was, you know, that might have been something else. Remember, it's just a little north of Effingham. Because yeah. mm, screwing pigs is just too obvious. <laughs> That was the meet and greet. So going on to the event across the street at the Irish pub, which was Irish Wake for Gary Head. I think we actually got there kind of early, but we felt like when we walked in, we might have been fashionably late because of the meet and greet. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the place was absolutely packed. It was insane. So much packed that we were chasing out people from the club that thought they could hang out there yeah. and uh, <laughs> locals who thought that they could hang out in their own place. Yeah, not fools. We did find a table, and we're sitting there talking and everything, not even halfway through. All of a sudden, they decide to crank up the radio for the remainder of the night. Yeah. yeah. And, and to give you an idea, we planned that out several weeks in advance. We had one of our guys, uh, Mark Valentine, scoped it out when he was in Springfield on business. Uh, I had Draper go and, and check it out, and I had, had him get in touch with the manager. I had uh, the, the manager get in touch with Sam to set that up. So they knew we were coming. And still just didn't do anything as far as getting those folks extra help or anything. Right. Yeah, they were uh, they were pretty overwhelmed, I think, by the time we were. I, I don't fault them for taking the action they did because it was like four people working. But whoever the, uh, the, the management of that establishment, I don't have your name handy. It's probably for the best. They kind of let us down on that one. Yeah. But, you know, even, even with the loud music, we made the best of it. I mean, we were... Exactly. We, ha- we know, had a great time besides. Many of us were there until the place closed at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, yep. Tequila shots, the whole nine yards. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Special thanks to, to James Cavanaugh for... Yeah, for bailing uh, for your ass out wingman. of the fire while I'm chugging down tequila shots. <laughs> Taking one for the team. Oh, yeah. Chris Trace is like, you need to do Jameson. Put it on your tab. I'm like, no, today's my birthday. You put it on your tab. Hell, I ain't putting anything on my tab for my birthday unless it's something for my wife. How old are you now, Gary? I am 41. I spent $16 the entire night. I was well liquored up when we walked out of that place. Uh, Yeah, that was an interesting, even though we were only across the street, that was an interesting walk home and walk back to the room. A lot of of people took the long way through the the parking garage. The last time I drank that much tequila at Jocon, it didn't end well. So uh, I'm just thankful that I didn't have a repeat performance this year. Carson was part of the problem. (laughs) 
He was given a shot. Yep. Dez, Dez. Dez was trying to sabotage somebody. Yeah. Mulholland, I think, was given out shots. Yes, he was. Yeah. Big crawler himself. Yep. That's the purpose of the wake is meeting new people. And I got a chance to meet him for the first time ever. There are some people throwing out some trouble there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you, you hacked the sound system and started playing music through your phone? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know. Yes. Well, they have an app where you can buy credits and make requests. Gotcha. and It's a very interactive kind of jukebox. After we figured out we could control it. Yeah, it's called Touch Tunes. I had some existing credits in there already. So I'm putting in Van Halen and, you know, other stuff in there that people let. Well, Van Halen was no one is asking for it except for me. But yeah. uh, we were putting in other stuff that people were asking to I'm hear. I'm pretty sure I heard some Journey in there somewhere. We did christen the official song of uh, Joe 2015, Stan Bush, The Touch. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the club roundtable, Stan Bush is The Touch. Again, the purpose of this was to honor Gary Head. There were some posters there, uh, the minimalist posters done by Brian Sauer of Assembly Required that people were signing. And what I didn't know when I sat down to sign those things is I thought we were signing them for Elizabeth, but then there was one for each one of the kids. That was tough, yeah. That was tough. After that, I had to walk outside and walk that one off. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting down, preparing to to sign a poster for a a really good friend that you've lost is one thing, but sitting down and looking at it and seeing that, oh, this one is addressed to Lynx. Um, I get to sit down here and tell him what his dad was like, Um, especially for for folks who, who have kids approximately the same age as Gary's. That was a very difficult thing to do. Other than that, it was a night that I wouldn't have missed. It's a night that I'm yes. not going to forget. It was a night well spent. Absolutely. And that's what Joe Cons are all about. I mean, you can listen to me complain about the price of exclusives all day long, but the, the nights like Friday night, that is why you do this. That is why you suffer through those four or five hour lines. That is why you, um, you know, 36 hour round trip car rides because you can't find direct flights that's why you do all that stuff and and i look back at it a week later and you know what i don't regret a single damn thing about it you know it was worth you know for that one several hour stretch friday night uh, whatever pain in the ass it was to get there it was worth it so saturday we all wake up oh <laughs> it was a rough morning where do they put the first panel at 10 o'clock, which you think is enough time, but it really wasn't. You know, for some of us, it was. Oh, and really, the first panel uh, who were moderating it were some of the heaviest drinkers <laughs> of the night. Well, <laughs> one of them. Were you part of that? I was not, actually. I was Not this year. I was shoved aside for Chris McLeod. He is now his own celebrity. But the 10 o'clock panel was Special Action Force and the Red Shadows with Dave Tree. I'm still taking full credit for any success they may have. I think we can all do that. <laughs> it was really, it was a great panel, as always. There's not a whole lot new to learn about Action Force. You wouldn't think there would be after 30 years, but every year Dave Tree seems to come and really make things interesting. He, he focused this year's panel mostly on the characters. They had this really awesome presentation where you know he had this little digital voice reading who each character was and what vehicle they drove, what their specialty was, and you really got a chance to focus more on the characters. And I found myself learning things now that I didn't know last year, you know, and, and you think in one year time, there's not a whole lot of new action force news that develops, but Dave tree manages to find little nuggets buried in there and pull them out for Joe con. And I, for one, really appreciate that. That was a fantastic panel. I really loved it. And, uh, I enjoyed it. It was worth getting up early for. Yeah. He always finds a new wrinkle. 
Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's the same basic subject matter, but there's always a different focus. Like you'd said, Dave, this year you focused more on the individual characters and the sub teams. Yeah. Whereas last year it was more of just a, a timeline. Right. You know, for for the whole brand, and and the year before that was just a real basic overview. So yep. little by little, we're getting a different piece of the Action Force puzzle. Uh, so after we figure we've dragged Dave to about seventeen of these in a row, he may be finally out of material. <laughs> I think it's catching on to uh, you, you. You see more and more people buying action force yes. stuff. And there was always collectors buying action force stuff, but I would say a lot of these people that are starting to dabble are, are not the hardcore type. Right? They're a little bit more casual. And they say, "I saw Dave Tree's panel, and I wanted to get uh, yeah. a Red Shadow figure." Yeah, and he introduced for the first time ever the Red Shadow's officer, which apparently has never been seen before. Which was a, an unproduced version of the Red Shadow, which had a little officer cap on, which is a pretty cool revelation. Which is kind of like putting an officer's cap on a fish tank, but still. Yeah. Now we have something that we need to request from the club. <laughs> there, you yeah, there you go. Keep it up. We'll get into that later. You keep requesting stuff from the club and you'll eventually get it. Anyways, after the Red Shadows panel was the one we were all waiting for. 11 o'clock, the brand panel, G.I. Joe team. I asked Roma what it was like on the sales floor. Dead. Yeah. Completely dead. Anybody that is everybody that if you weren't working a booth, you were downstairs in the panel room for this one. This was big. So just turn it right over to Justin. Justin, take it from the top. The Hasbro panel. We're back. Oh, yeah. They they were back. Mark Weber and Daryl DePriest did an awesome job kind of breaking things down, really giving a good outline of kind of what to expect for this year. It was just, uh, it was really a phenomenal presentation. He, um, you know, Mark Weber is obviously somebody who's very comfortable speaking in, in front of a crowd. He mentioned during the seminar that he'd done presentations like this for BotCon as well, so he was obviously very comfortable with it. But yeah, he he brought some really really cool details to the table um, and uh, and really kind of laid it all out for us. Built it up really nicely. Really great presentation. Gave him you know background between him and Daryl. Um, obviously talked to him, made some jibes about Daryl's Hawaiian shirts, different things of that nature. But uh, essentially outlined what we can expect for product this year, which is broken down into basically three or four categories kind of we've got you know similar to how the 50th anniversary was this year you've got two packs and you got three packs and you got vehicles and he talked about how those kind of exist as their own and then also um how that relates to what we're going to see at comic-con so um some very interesting interesting stuff and for the two packs he talked about uh the swamp steam which was uh crockmaster and blowtorch it was the red python patrol crockmaster and green blowtorch that has been rumored and canceled numerous times mark swore that this would actually get released this time so um that's something to to anticipate they mentioned a troop build-up two-pack which is an iron grenadier and steel brigade two-pack they did talk about collectors having some frustrations with army builders being packed with non-army builders so they wanted to make sure they kind of resolved that with uh with the dual army builder pack uh the classic clash um showing some knowledge of past history they mentioned how storm shadow and spirit often faced off against each other in the sumbo comics so they brought out the concept case 1988 storm shadow um who will be coming with a pack uh with spirit who is based strongly on his pursuit of cobra version um there is some minor differences with storm shadow it looks like he doesn't have that pouched belt that the concept case version had um looks like that might have been cost out but beyond that uh he looks 
pretty decent, very very cool eighty eight version of uh, of Storm Shadow. Then um, there's also the Hunt for Cobra Commander, which comes with a black and red repaint of the GI Joe Retaliation Ultimate Cobra Commander with both the battle helmet and the hooded head, and a nice little cape that kind of goes over his shoulder. And that comes with a concept case shipwreck, who has been kind of rumored out there for a little while. Uh, looks like he's got his white navy t-shirt and tan khakis, a little little vest over it, and and poly. But then of course the the main goal they saved this one to the end, of course, Marine Devastation with the concept case Cobra Shadow Guard and Gung Ho, based off also off the concept case, which was a fully newly tooled Gung Ho action figure, kind of like how we got Destro this year. I guess it was last year at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fully tooled from the ground up and totally new parts, new sculpts, um, sculpted by the ever amazing Fred Axon from boss fight studio. Um, when he was working for Hasbro, this is his baby right here. And, um, he did a fantastic job on it. It looks like a really great figure. Can't wait to get that one in hand. Then they moved on to three packs, talked, talked a little bit about three packs. Um, you know, the chase for the mass device, they heard collectors frustration over not being able to get an Alpine, a 25th anniversary Alpine. So they kind of took that chase for the mass device and broke it up into two different three packs where that was originally the best of the 80s i think it was about a four pack yeah they chopped yeah. it up a little bit they gave us a they dropped the alpine out but they made it a three pack right yeah the chase for the mass device is cobra commander cobra trooper and uh o-face duke o-face duke yep. yeah <laughs> which um you know i've seen some people kind of questioning that i'm i'm with them on that i'm not quite sure what the thought process is behind this one because alpine was definitely the most desirable of that pack but um so a little alpine, bit of a head scratcher yeah, yeah, especially with Ultimate Cobra Commander looking so much better than this Cobra Commander and the Pursuit of Cobra Trooper looking so much better than this Cobra Trooper and a chance to maybe get a really new version of Duke out there. They could have probably revitalized all the figures in this set. Or even just a even just a chance to get that last piece of the mass device out there. Exactly, that too. That's the whole other discussion, but right. I mean, they could have really not needed to go with this particular three-pack and maybe come out with another one. Right. I know that we've had our fill of Cobra Troopers, We've had the better Cobra Commander, and no one wants that dude. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I'm not going to argue because we just went through a year of pretty slim pickings. Right. At this point, beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. And along with that mass device three-pack, there's the Rock Rampage three-pack, which does give us the Alpine that everybody's been looking for, as well as uh, carrying forward the Pursuit of Cobra Rock Viper and the Cobra Shock Trooper. That Rock Viper and that Pursuit of Cobra wave, which was one of the last ones, yes. was pretty tough. I'm not going to say impossible, but it was pretty tough to get. It was, indeed. So to put him in a three-pack, they were obviously listening on that one. Yes, agreed. Vanishing Act uh, is the next three-pack, which has Torpedo, Zartan, and Hit and Run. Another Hit and Run, surprisingly enough. Um, this time in gray camouflage. <laughs> it's almost like an Urban Deco or Night, or Night Force Hit and Run, and uh, I'm happy with that. I won't argue with that at all. I'm, that's a pretty cool touch by them. And, and that Zartan is the concept case version that a lot of people have been kind of asking for, too. Sneak Attack kind of is another little bit of a head-scratcher. It comes with Dusty, Firefly, and Bazooka. Jerry's a big fan of Bazooka's alternate, uh, you know, wagers. Road Whites. Yeah, his Road Whites look. Um, <laughs> but Dusty's kind of got a weird blue color to him, and the opposite camouflage Firefly is interesting, but uh, a little different. Moving on to the vehicles, the first vehicle they discussed was the Desert Duel, which is comes with the, I think it's called the Cobra Basilisk, which is a snow cat yep. done up in blue and silver. And what was probably one of the, the neatest offerings they showed is the, the uh, G.I. Joe Foe Striker, the F.O.E. Striker, which is a completely ramped up and modified off striker. F.O.E., by the way, stands for Forward Observation Encampment. 
And basically, it comes with a newly tooled kind of chain gun mount on the top, comes with some gas cans on the front, uh, a nice little roll cage, you know, some wrapped up fabric. Uh, also comes with a version of Chuckles, which according to uh, to Mark Weber is based on the Mike Costa Cobra series from IDW, which is a very cool touch because a lot of people are a big fan of that comic and kind of the way Chuckles is portrayed there. And then the Foe Striker, then um, actually the fabric comes off and the chain gun mount comes off and it creates a little observation tent that's attached to the vehicle, which is a really, really nice, ingenious touch to make the Ostriker something desirable again. You know, I'm, I'm so totally sick of the Ostriker. I don't ever need to see it again, but the Foe Striker does a really good I'm job excited about this one. Yeah, me too. There are enough different, there's enough changes that are made to it that it's, it's certainly uh, yes. passable and really even looking forward to it. Exactly. The interesting thing they mentioned before they showed the Basilisk because they were actually inspired by the club in this one. Right. How the club took the Snowcat and made it a Havoc Mark II. Yes, made it a land. Vehicle. And they're like, well, what if Cobra stole a Snowcat? Would they use it? Yep. Of course, probably the highlight of the Hasbro panel was their discussion of the Silent Strike set. Um, the Silent Strike set is slated to come with an orange version of the Hiss with some new railguns and a repainted Sky Striker, kind of in stealth gray. The new Hiss comes with two figures this time, a driver and a gunner. I like the gunner idea. Which is a good touch, absolutely. And the Sky Striker comes with two figures as well. It comes with Ace, who's the pilot, obviously. And then comes with a forward observation specialist called Sightline. Daryl became, you know, somewhat emotional when he started talking about Sightline, and I think folks could kind of sense that something was going on, especially when he mentioned that Sightline was a goggled character that was a second part of this set. And um, he spoke very fondly of, uh, of Gary Head during this presentation and announced here at the show that the figure would actually be based on Gary Head, would have um, Gary Head's actual file name as part of the file card, which was, um, they, they call him Gary Goggles, and they made sure they cleared it with his family, which was a really nice touch, and uh, it was a great presentation, and they got a standing ovation, and it was one of the best parts of the entire convention, I do think. It was, as you can tell, it was pretty emotional. Uh, I'm still getting a little emotional thinking about it. Everybody stood up and, and celebrated, and you could almost see Daryl was wiping away some tears. It was it was a pretty important moment, and it was a very important kind of exploration of Hasbro's feelings for uh, Gary and the community's feelings for Gary. Daryl recognized his importance in the community, talked about him for about 10 minutes about what made him different as a high-end collector, somebody who was eager to share what he found, which was somewhat of the opposite of, of how some people treat their collectibles and their source of information. Gary was only too eager to find a way to, to spread that love throughout the community. So uh, that was a pretty big moment, and um, I am so glad that I was in the audience and able to share that moment with um, not just everybody around me, but with Elizabeth and all of his kids who were also there in the audience, who Daryl made sure to point out and talk to directly. And it was a pretty amazing moment. Well-earned standing ovation. We went down there. I'm not hungover, but I'm hurting from the night before, so I'm wearing my sunglasses are prescription anyway, so I'm wearing my sunglasses because my eyes were just beat red anyway ways from the night before but glad i had the sunglasses because deb's like are you okay i'm like leave me alone emoting stop it man emoting leave me alone <laughs> we're not lying when they're saying that tears were shed and not a dry eye in the house yeah no lie whatsoever and it was really nice to hear that um 
Hasbro kind of recognized his place in the community, and and Daryl obviously wasn't um, going through the motions. I mean, everything he said about Gary was true and accurate, and obviously came from his heart. Daryl, if if you if anybody listening doesn't really know Daryl DePriest, he is he is about the most devoted longtime GI Joe collector you will find anywhere. He um, he is a true consumer collector, lover of the brand. We couldn't have a better person kind of leading the charge for GI Joe and Hasbro. So um, really to, to hear him kind of express his feelings towards Gary, you could tell it was true. It was collector to collector, not just Hasbro to collector. He really spoke with, with some emotion. And, um, you know, it, it's something I'm probably never going to forget. And I really uh, want to thank Daryl for taking the time, going through the effort to go into legal and getting the stuff pushed through and making such a special moment at JoeCon because this is a moment that um, is, is not going to fade from my memory anytime soon. We also talked a little bit about the San Diego Comic-Con stuff there as well. Uh, the Crimson Strike set is going to be a repaint of the Sky Striker in more Cobra-themed colors with a, a special uh, AVAC in kind of an officer garb and then an Alley Viper officer who will be mm-hmm. kind of a forward observer. And then the G.I. Joes will have stolen a Hiss Tank for the Crimson Strike set, so you get a Hiss Tank repaint in G.I. Joe Olive Drab. I like it. It looks really cool with that new railgun as well, and it comes with Grunt and Steeler as their driver. The gunner. It's called the Kai Mira. Kai Mira, yes. You will hear here in a minute when we hear the interview with them. They are very clear on what it's called. Yes, the Kai Mira, and each each letter it stands for Captured Hiss Integrated Mobile Energy Railgun Advanced. C H I M E R A. The Kai Mira. And uh, it looks really nice, and and both the drivers look really great too. Some some very nice original thirteen updates and some modern gear. I really like what they did with the updates to the figures too. Yeah, the Joes look really sharp in that set. Yeah, yeah they do. They really do. Very excited about that yeah. one. Uh, and along with that, they are also doing a, um, a Comic Con version of the Desert Duel, which is not, which is also a regular retail release, kind of similar to how the Danger at the Dock set last year was retail and Comic Con. The Desert Duel set will be as well. There won't be any repainted vehicles for the the Comic Con Desert Duel, but there will be two additional figures. There is going to be an a Cobra Air Trooper that comes with the Basilisk, along with the Elite Horseman. Who um, I don't know if I mentioned him when I was talking about the vehicles above. The Cobra Air Trooper comes with um, with that Desert Duel. Uh, uh, set uh, with the basilisk as well. Then on the GI Joe side of the house, along with the previously announced Chuckles, we will be getting Night Fox, who is a new version of that uh, GI Joe Navy SEAL that first appeared in Pursuit of Cobra and then appeared again at the GI Joe Retaliation line, who's looking kind of like a pseudo Firefly repaint of yeah. sorts. So those two figures, Night Fox and the Cobra Air Trooper, will only be found at the Comic-Con set. And the Comic-Con set will, you know, each different set, both Crimson Strike and Desert Duel, will come with unique package art and unique paintings on the package. And when you buy them both, you can put the two uh, paintings together to form a really cool-looking mural. It's very high-quality, very artistic-looking paint. If you go to generalsjoes.com, check out my JoeCon 2015 coverage. I do have a picture of the slide that shows the artwork kind of all together, and it's really impressive. It looks really nice. If you get both of the boxes at Comic-Con, you can kind of put those two murals together and, and see for yourself. You'll be able to get the Comic-Con stuff early, and then everything else comes out on or about the 1st of August. Correct. I think it's one big dump, and that's it. There might be a second, smaller wave coming after the first, but it's immediately after the first with little or no wait. Right. Yeah, for some people, you might not be able to tell, because they intend to come out rapidly. Indeed. So be looking for them, 1st of August. 
at Toys R Us. Thanks to my new job, I actually have a Toys R Us I can check on the 1st of August. Nice. And the interesting thing out of all this, no six-inch. None. So put those to bed, folks. Yes, for at least another few months until Toy Fair. You've been waiting for how many months to get that gloat out? I got it out of Jokon. I know, but this is this is presumably to a wider audience. Oh, yeah. Because you are the worst. No, because I told you all. <laughs> you didn't believe me. No, I believed you. All right, thank you. And I, and I went off nothing but common sense and what they told us in their press release. I was there with you. I just wasn't nearly so angry about it as you were. Just need to read, people. Just need to read. <laughs> Not nearly so angry. Before we move on to the next panel, as we mentioned, right at the end of Sunday, Justin, myself, and Mike managed to get about 15 minutes of Mark and Daryl's time. We got behind their table and stuck a microphone in their face and talked to them about the upcoming year. So have a listen, and we'll come back, and we'll pick back up on Saturday. We'll be right back. Good afternoon from JoeCon 2015. This is Justin from What's on Joe Mine. Joining me is Gary, and we are also here with Daryl and Mark from Hasbro, who have taken some time out of their very busy schedule to talk to us for a few minutes. How are you guys doing? Great. My first JoeCon. So I'm the rookie, but I'm excited to be here. And I love it to be back at JoeCon. Totally back. awesome. Welcome well, back. Yeah. Welcome back. In an official capacity. Thank you. Yes, and officially, yes. <laughs> so first of all, obviously, you guys showed, showed off some stuff this weekend, some of the Toys R Us assortment that's coming out later this year. Um, very good reception for a lot of it. Uh, what we were um, really kind of wanting to know is, um, what did you, what was your, did you have any kind of thematic ideas in mind when you kind of built this assortment? Any kind of specific themes, just kind of a continuation of the, the 50th anniversary style or anything, any overarching um, story ideas in mind or anything like that? I'll, I'll deflect most of it actually to Daryl because I joined the brand in September. So while I got to help coordinate some of this, I really wasn't involved in the original creation of the line. So. That's probably more of a Daryl than a Mark question. So what, what we wanted to do kind of uh, going in was uh, try and do a little bit more than we did um, with the, the first pass of the 50th and in terms of just get some more items out there. Um, and so we needed, we needed to do that. Uh, to do that, we were going to probably make some original stuff and then re-release some things that were fan demand. And the whole goal there was just to, you know, have um, more things that we, you know, could release and maybe even a little bit smaller quantity. And, and have a uh, have a more productive Toys R Us line. So, um, you know, kind of with that theme, we knew our tooling budget and kind of went into it and um, figured out the must-haves we wanted to do. We circled, you know, that gung-ho vault figure and said, absolutely, this is going to be in the line. You know, lock off the tooling budget needed to do that. And then, you know, what are some of those other things um, we really wanted to, you know, we felt passionate about doing. And and I worked with our um, designer on the West Coast, John Violet. He's a super passionate Joe fan. Um, really took the baton pass from John Warden before him, and he did last year's line. But this year we had a little more time to do it, a little more thought went into it. And so we kind of just started circling around those things that we thought were, were must-haves, you know, Shadow Viper from the vault and um, update on Shipwreck. That was one that we both felt was a must-do. So around there, um, and then on the vehicle side, we knew we weren't going to have a lot of money to be able to tool anything super new. So we thought of ways we could have new takes on classics and then really were inspired and thought of the idea of kind of flipping some things that have never been flipped before. What if the Sky Striker was captured by Cobra? What if the Hiss was captured by Joe? Where would we go from there? And so those were ideas. And then when Mark came on, you know, Mark 
kind of took the storyline elements of that a little bit further, and he said, "Well, it's you know, come up with you know, Mark came up with the Chimera name, captured Hiss, and uh, we were like, this is great, you know, Mark's <laughs> jumping in and putting his own mark on you it. Hear so that, Mike Chimera, not Chimera. Right. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's Chimera. Anybody who says Chimera played Dungeons and Dragons and looked at the monster manual without ever knowing how that name was pronounced. <laughs> that happened to me until somebody told me it was Chimera. You know, that's the way it's pronounced. But anyway, it, and and ran with it. So what we've got is a is, is a team. You know, John, Mark, myself. You know, we're passionate. That's exactly what Hasbro needs: is passionate fans of the brand. Because right now, Joe is a small brand, and you know we've got a, a passionate fan base, and we want to make great stuff the fans want. Um, but it you know it takes a, a, a lot of work to to work on a smaller brand. But we're working on the long-term future of, of Joe, so plotting out years in advance what we're going to do. And and our goal is to deliver excellent stuff, great stuff for the fans while we can, you know, now, and then plan for when that next big amplification of the brand will be. Could be a movie event off in the future. That's not ours to announce here or not. But plan for the long-term horizon for movie and beyond, right? So that's that's where our team, we're assembling, you know, our team is assembled and, and, and we're mapping out that course now and couldn't be happier to show fans what we held back from Toy Fair. Awesome. <laughs> Good. Good. Did you have a question? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the, the other big news from your reveal was the Gary Head figure. Uh, for those that were not present, how how did that become about? Obviously, this is pretty quick because it, it was just a, a few short months ago Unfortunately, it's untimely passing. How how that come about? We were really. It's really hard to talk about it because you run into saying things like, "Oh, well, it was good timing," or "It was fortunate that the the way I've kind of come to it is to say things fell into place in a way that we were able to make a meaningful tribute to Gary." And so it was I, a couple of things that are very cool about it in that it was a brand new figure, so it's a sightline figure. It isn't like we took uh, a Flint figure and gave him goggles as a homage. It's a brand new character, so it's nobody has any idea what Sightline is supposed to be, and it can be whoever and whatever we want it to be. So we have a brand new Joe, which I think is A, great for the line, but then to also use it as homage to a guy who was super important to the community, and most importantly, and Daryl did most of the work here, that it was something that we approached with the family, and the family was not only okay with it, they were very excited about it. So to do something that homage is somebody that was very important to the Joe brand is great for everybody and I think and I loved that when we actually showed it at the panel that there was a standing ovation right and everybody dug it it was very cool and they understood what we were doing and because we're as a company and as a brand kind of quiet online we don't engage one to one that our 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 PR kind of handles the message of the brand but it, it's a way to show that we are connected to the community we are part of the same community just because we aren't posting or liking doesn't mean we aren't reading doesn't mean we aren't part of, of the same world and so I think it accomplishes a lot and it's, it gives a nice shadow from the brand to a guy who really contributed so much to the community we're very and, thankful well I appreciate it it was, it was just a kernel of an idea that happened to work at a time that we could influence it in product quickly mm-hmm. and that Daryl did a ton of work to get it done not only approved through the family but also approved through our own legal department so that everybody is happy about the tribute. Great. Mike's joining us. You want to fire off a question? No pressure. 
hey, yeah, really. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us for the interview. <laughs> look, look, the last message I had gotten said 3 o'clock, and it's 3 o'clock right now. It looks like you were buying some stuff at the, at the end stuff. of JoeCon. That's a pretty good set. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the only time I get to buy stuff at the very end of JoeCon. I texted you, and I said, you're not winning again. Hurry up. I, re- I received that text as I was walking over here. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, all right. Yeah, no, you, it, it, it was, this, is, this was such a great set that I, I was not able to get it when it actually came out. So this is actually the second one because I want all these yeah. guys in multiples. Yeah, so. I, I, had to, I had to get eight of those myself. <laughs> so if you need seven Dr. Mindbenders. Hey, yeah, yeah, for real. Go. Anybody, the Dr. <laughs> the Dr. Mindbender uh, platoon is, is ready to Cummings go. Is here. Maybe you can get him to sign some. Or... <laughs> just, yeah. just give it to him. <laughs> but... Um, but uh, no, I, I, Mark. As a, speaking as a fan, I don't know if they've asked you this or not. Of, of course, just a, as a fan, as 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 you know, some guy in your late thirties, early forties, like the rest of us, wandering around all open-eyed. How was your first con? I loved JoeCon. I mean, I've never been to JoeCon before. I was supposed to come in '02 and '05, I think, and both times the trip fell through for unavoidable reasons. But I know how that goes. There you go, right? So, but I didn't win the free trip, huh? No, I never did, right? <laughs> a matter of person, matter of record in Jackson County, Missouri. There you go. But I'm I'm a lifelong fan of the brand. So, and I'm a huge fan of conventions. I mean, I came from McFarland Toys, where we would do four conventions a year, and getting to meet fans and interact with them one to one was always a highlight of the year. So, And then moving to Hasbro, I did done been to two different bot cons. So I love meeting fans because you get to have honest feedback one-to-one. You get to meet. Everybody's happy to be at a convention because we all care about the same thing. So I've always enjoyed the, the interaction with fans at events. And I've done now I've been able to be parts of the panel that presents the new things twice for Hasbro. And it's such a buzz because we work on that deck for five weeks ahead of time. And it goes through a bunch of different iterations and, and changes and to finally have it ready and to sit up there in front of a room of expectant fans who not just love the brand but are also tough critics it's a little bit of a rush yeah. and I, I, we've done it twice last year for Transformers this year for Joe and I just dig it each time and the fact that it was well received by the fans and that we got to announce the, the Gary Tribute figure mm-hmm. and the standing O not for us but for him was really cool yeah definitely we just gotta ask a question Question. I guess we turn the mic over to you guys. Is there anything that you want to say, add, pitch, promote, anything at all? Just open mic. I just think that, you know, when people talk about where Joe is right now, and the term I've been using is low tide, that there's not as much product as there used to be. But if you look at how it's all aligned, and, you know, I got a little bit of pub when I joined the brand because of the interview with the club magazine, but that there's a brand manager that is a lifelong Joe fan who is completely passionate about the brand. But Daryl coming back to the brand didn't get much pub last fall or summer-ish. So the fact that the guy who is in charge of the brand is a lifelong Joe fan, the brand manager is a lifelong Joe brand. And John Violette, who had big shoes to fill, because everyone loves John Warden. And I worked with with John Warden for a year on Transformers. I know how great a designer he is and how great a person he is. But John Violette cares just as much and is just as talented as a designer. So to have the three guys who are most involved in the production of the future 
future of Joe be lifelong Joe fans, we've got bodes really, really well for the future. We've got our we've got our team in place now. Yeah, we're small, we're exactly. small but agile. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, not as honestly for me, it's not not publicity about being over the brand. It's I I actually chose. I wanted it back because I I know what it takes to craft the future of Joe. This is a very very important time in Hasbro to rebuild a powerful story for Joe's return. You might say, um, you know, it, it's very important to do product for for fans at times like this because fans are the active, engaged, on you know, ongoing, um, passionate, you know, folks who, who want to see new product. But the long term health, you know, we we want to see Joe come back in a big way and never leave again. That's the goal. Yeah. So you know, working, you know, navigating our our relationships with Hollywood and and you know our own Hasbro Studios. The goal here is when we bring Joe back, when we amplify it again at that next big opportunity, we we pilot a long term course for a brand new Joe that hunts in pop culture. You know, against all the other things, the kids have a you know choice to to play with. So creating a unique vision that gets Joe back to to retail, you know, permanently. That's our that's our vision, and so we've got you know passionate folks inside you know right now to uh, to help make that story happen so I've just got one more question. Um, one of my favorite items that you showed at, at the uh, presentation here in the case was the Chuckles based off the Mike Costa Cobra series. Uh, any other plans to kind of synergize the toys with the comics like Transformers has started to really do? Is that anything that's kind of in the short-term or long-term plans? Well, we've got a really good relationship with IDW, and IDW tells some fantastic stories. So I think anything that resonates there is something you could absolutely see in plastic. And I think vice versa, the things that we're working on for toys could certainly end up in IDW's comics. That's uh, a synergy that's worked real well on, on the Transformers brand where I came from. And John Barber is the same guy, same yeah. contact there, and a, and a great guy and a huge fan and partner for our stuff. So I don't. There's no reason why that shouldn't work both ways moving forward. Great. Bonus question. <laughs> Cyborg Animal Force 2016. Go. Count it. <laughs> it's happening. You heard it here. Right. I guess I did. Anyone else have anything else? All right. We're keeping this uh, short and sweet because we're rounding up JoeCon 2015. Want to make sure we don't take up too much time. We and got uh, a trip to win. Mike's got another trip to win. Back-to-back championship. Mark right? to be had. <laughs> so, Mark and Daryl, thank you guys very much for taking some time out to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for everything you did this weekend, everything you showed. Uh, thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts. You guys for have been the... super engageable all weekend yeah. long. All yeah. weekend long. And uh, it, was, it was great just to walk up and I know I've seen you a number of times, but it's it's. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you're, you've ever been. I, I walked up to this you. This is Daryl. Gary just patted me on yeah, the shoulder. I've seen me a Darryl. number of this times. This is the, the, the video the video gag of the audio <laughs> podcast. But meeting Daryl for a uh, Mark for the first time, it was like he was never a stranger. Yeah, well, I appreciate was, that. I, yeah, and so. it was for me because I mean, JoeCon's a great opportunity for me to enjoy my favorite brand on the company's dime. That's cool. <laughs> but also, it's a chance for me to introduce myself to the fan base because I've been a fan forever, but I was a very quiet fan online. I didn't post a lot. Nobody knew who I was. So the opportunity to introduce myself to the community was was really important to me and, and a great chance to let them know what I'm all about and that let them know that I love the brand as much as they do and that I'm just as excited to be here as they are to be collecting. Great. You guys have been awesome. Thank yes. you very, Thanks, very, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Okay, we're back. And for the remainder of Saturday...
I went to Kirk Bogzigian's panel. Actually, I had to work the door. He had like 21 steps to proper G.I. Joe marketing. A lot of it's stuff we've heard. If it's your first or second Joe Con, you should probably make it a prerequisite that you got to go see Kirk and his panel. You'll learn a lot about what was going on and why Joe fared so well under his tutelage. And a great guy to boot. Yeah, other than if he's talking Patriots football. Well, nobody can be a good person talking about Patriots football. Well, nobody's perfect. At the next panel was the Art of G.I. Joe with Robert Atkins and Adam Riches. just want to thank Robert for the shout-out that he gave What's on Joe Mind during the panel. Adam Riches showed a very interesting time-lapsed video of how he drew up Metalhead for this year's set in the artwork. Very cool. I don't know if he's going to make it on his YouTube channel or anything, but if you get a chance to hit up Adam Riches, ask him about it. The next big news item, and this does include Justin, was the Kindle World's Writers panel, which had uh, Bill Nidro, Troy Osgood, and Justin, also joined by Daryl DePriest. There was some big news out of that, but Justin, go ahead and talk about the Kindle World's Writers panel. I can't say enough about how Daryl kind of helped with the panel and volunteered to help moderate. Originally, I was going to be kind of heading up the panel. You were kind of nervous, like, what the hell are we going to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, it was, you know, Brian kind of shot me a message and said, uh, this is what we'd like to do. We'd like you to be in charge of it. You know, uh, give me a write-up. So the write-up I gave him is what appeared in the con program. And um, then he said, just kind of roll with it. I said, okay, I, I guess we'll roll with it. And then, um, what, what's it like when a show does when a show does something completely different than what's in the program? <laughs> Pretty much like our show all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're used to that here. Yeah, you're used to it. Yeah, but yeah, but then Daryl, um, you know, got in touch with us shortly before the convention and said he wanted to help moderate and he had a cool uh, announcement to make. So I was like. Phew. Come on board, Daryl. It's all you. He was very kind to join us. And uh, it was actually, it was a really great experience talking about it because um, there's reasons for it. But in general, fan fiction can sometimes get a bad rap. You know, it's it's not a real story. You're just taking other people's characters and doing different things to it. Private Godso can only save CoverGirl so many times. <laughs> In a lot of ways, it's just as challenging as writing a, a real uh, a real novel. And I think Daryl kind of expressing his admiration during the panel was, kind of took me aback. He was very uh, impressed and very complimentary of all of our work and uh, just kept on saying how impressed he was by the work he had seen so far and how Mark Weber was aggressively going through everything. And, and it's funny, you know, on, on Thursday during package pickup, I was in line waiting to get my, uh, my box set and uh, Mark and Daryl walked right over and Mark made a beeline for me and extended his hand. Just, Look, I've been reading your stuff on Kindle worlds. It's great. You know, keep up the great work. And it's just, you know, it, it's really awesome. An awesome feeling to have. To know that people at Hasbro are actually reading stuff, you know, the stories you're telling about their characters. Hey, they're not lying. When they said they're paying attention, they're, they're listening Absolutely. and they're reading. Mark did the same thing to me for What's on Joe Mind. That's great. Same here. Got stalked. So it was one of those where, where we went downstairs to set up for Dave's panel on Saturday morning. And like the doors they told us to go in were locked. And so I was the one who stayed behind as everybody else, you know, my brother and, and Dave and Chris went around to the other side. I was going to make sure that they came in the right door. Like I'm down the stairs with nobody around. I'm just kind of waiting for those guys to come through the doors on the other side. And I look up and I see Mark Weber making a beeline down the stairs. Obviously, he he's looking to find me. It was weird. I mean, not not unsettling weird, but it's just like, wow, he's really does know who we are. You can tell he's been kind of absorbing himself in, in the G.I. Joe online yeah. culture, so to speak, which is really cool. And, of course, we talked about Transformers. <laughs> All right, and this is where we need to pass it back to Justin so we can talk about G.I. Joe. <laughs> 
essentially the whole reason for Daryl's involvement there boiled down to an announcement they made at the end of the show where they're going to put up a fan vote later this year. We don't know exactly when. Know how well those go. He mentioned to me after the panel that he would kind of be in touch so with bad. us to, to kind of give us a better idea of a timeline. But basically what they're doing is they're going through the stories and they're going to choose either some new characters within the Kindle World stories or some reimagining of existing characters within the Kindle World's story and and have a fan vote and have fans decide which one of these new characters they really want to see in action figure form. And basically what's going to happen is they're going to put the vote out and, and people are going to vote on it. And somebody, you know, a character from one of these Kindle World's stories will end up as a G.I. Joe figure in 2016. All right, Justin, modesty aside. How cool is it to have one of your characters turn into a figure? I would be out of my mind if that happened. I bet you would. I would be out of my mind. Did, did you create any new characters, though? I did. I did. I have a few. I have um, one that's actually going to be kind of tricky for them to do if they want to. I actually have a character named Blackout who came out you know, several years before a character named Blackout in the Hasbro line came out. And he's a pretty different character. He's actually an electronic engineer. He's not a Cobra sniper. But he was like a new G.I. Joe recruit who ends up being a, a key piece of defeating Cobra Commander for that particular Price of Peace story. I introduced Cobra Commander's daughter named Whisper, talked a little bit about her background, and um, she has pretty key roles throughout the Price of Peace story and actually is one of the main antagonists who uh, does a pretty shocking thing in in that story that kind of drives the whole uh, the whole narrative towards the, the back half of the book. And then I also have a character named Gulag, who is a Cobra prison leader. And I have a character named Snakebite, who is a bodyguard to Cobra Commander, who is a former Crimson Guardsman, who um, got injured in the line of duty and has some cybernetic enhancements. And, and Cobra Commander elected to use those uh, cybernetic enhancements to build himself a perfect bodyguard, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I do have a handful of new characters there. You said duty. Duty. <laughs> My vote, just to tick off Gary, is going to go to Staff Sergeant Osgood. <laughs> so he's going to argue with everybody for no reason whatsoever, right? The new character from Troy's Troy's fanfic, Staff Sergeant Osgood. Yeah, he's going to argue with everybody over every little thing. Moving on. Is that what we're taking out of Kendall World's writers? There you go. All right. That's the note we're ending on. Justin, <laughs> Staff I, Sergeant Osgood. I hope one of yours wins. <laughs> Nothing against Bill or Troy or any other writer. Oh, I'll be stuffing that ballot. That's what we're I'll here for. I'll be talking to whoever rigged up the CoverGirl vote and have them hook me up with that one, too. If they remember that. <laughs> the timing of that announcement was rather fortunate because it was right at the end of that panel because people are now coming in the room for the Collector's Club roundtable. Oh, I thought they were all coming to my panel. Well, no one came to your What's on Joe Mind panel. At least you never mentioned it. So. <laughs> Jeez, don't get where's the butthurt trumpet. Butthurt! <laughs> I'm sure it finished number 11th in yes, the top 10 moments. It was just that close. It was either the ride with the boss fight guys or what's on your mind. <laughs> no. Let me name drop the boss fight guys one more time. Let's attach our lips a little bit more firmly to Eric Aranya's backside. <laughs> I've been doing it for 10 years. He's used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got his own divot. <laughs> I'd figure after a while, the scrotum would get too soft to hang on to. Oh, that's too far. No, he can't be on the scrotum because that belongs to Joel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Sorry, Joel. Anyways. No, sorry. No, sorry whatsoever. (laughs) Anyways, people are walking in the room for the Collector's Club Roundtable, which is typically the second most populated roundtable of the weekend. And again, big news all around here. We'll just turn it right over to Justin. 
which we'll all consult his site. And what did the Collectors Club talk about? I think this panel kind of took everybody a little bit by surprise. You know, obviously, everybody was really looking forward to the Hasbro panel, really thought there was going to be some quality stuff revealed there, and they were right. There was some good stuff revealed at Hasbro, but in my opinion, for new product reveals, the Collector's Club kind of stole the show. Yep. They really brought the lumber for the... Uh, they announced the FSS 4.0 reveal first and foremost. Is it FSS 4.0 or is it FSS IV? Oh, I don't know. Could be either or, I guess. Whatever it is, it's the newest FSS. And one thing I've, I've got to give the FSS credit for is it seems like every year it builds on its past iteration and, and the next version is all that much better. I mean, the first FSS I thought was pretty decent. The second one was a little bit hit or miss. I wasn't too wild about the second one. Then the third one was better. And now it looks like the fourth one just could be outstanding. Basically, what they announced, the, the 12 figures they announced, number one was Barricade, who is a repaint of the 90s uh, Bunker Buster action figure. Number two was Billy himself. People have been asking for Billy figures for a long time now, and uh, we are going to get our wish. And the Collectors Club did mention it would be an adult version of Billy, not a child, but an adult. Not Killer Cub Scout Billy. Not Killer Cub Scout Billy. I'm out. Boo! You suck! No one gives a shit about what you do, Mike. I I could have said Everybody loves me, You're um, just jealous. I heard them mention something about it actually being the Devil's Due Commando version, but I, I can't find any collabor- cooperation on that, so I think I might have imagined it. So I don't want, I don't want people to, to bank on that, but I could have sworn I heard them mention that. I thought it was, it was spelled out that we were getting adult Ninja Billy. For the slide, they had the Arashikagi logo. Okay. They didn't say from what universe, yeah. but it will be adult, and he will, even though the slide said Billy Arbco. Yeah, Arbok, I think. Arbok. It will be Billy Kessler on the file card. Yeah. I um, still say they should call him Billy Broca. That's why you just win free trips and I'll listen to you. Make them all 50s gangster. No. Hey, yeah. it's Billy Broca. Hey, how you doing, Billy? I can go back at least seven years in my records of asking the club every year. Yes. I know back in, was it Dallas? James Cavadon and I printed up like political bumper yep. stickers for Billy and, and passed them out to people. You put down on a piece of paper one year and your stuff doesn't come out the next year. Don't think they're not listening right. to you. My understanding is Dave takes all these forms to heart yes. and reads them. It might take some persistence on your part. Right. That's where just being persistent and cool about it. Don't be a dick. Just keep putting it out there every year. Yep. The third figure in the FF, next FSS is Bullhorn from 1990, the G.I. Joe negotiator who came with that badass sniper rifle. Interrogator is figure number four which I'm very excited about. I got you excited yeah, about that. I'm excited Finishing about up that. the Justin Bell fanfic collection. That's right. God, can you imagine if 2016 gives us a character from my fanfic too, as well as Hit and Run and Viper and Interrogator? That'd be pretty bad. Oh, my God. Well, again, so, so long as uh, CoverGirl is a minor character in your fanfic. I <laughs> no stopping you. Law and Order was figure number five. Uh, which Traditional Law Exactly, which Dave promised would, would be a more vintage color scheme. The Cobra Inferno Bat is figure number six, which I believe Dave mentioned was actually going to be a version one bat, not a 91 bat retool, but it would be a version one bat in the kind of Inferno Bat deco, which if people remember, it was kind of a translucent red color. Right. So um, maybe we'll be seeing something like the Nano Bat, only in red instead of green and and black instead of gray uniform. We'll kind of see how that shakes out. The way Pat Stewart stands on high alert. 
Yeah. <laughs> Figure number seven is Nunchuck, a member of Ninja Force, to go alongside Shebang, which should be a great addition to uh, any martial arts uh, collections you've got out there. Figure number eight is Night Creeper Ice Ninja, which sounds like it'll be based on the Toys R Us 1998 Night Creeper repaint, where he comes in kind of a white and gray deco. Figure number nine is Pathfinder, another figure from 1990, uh, to join Bullhorn, a very cool-looking figure. Figure number 10, something that made our British contingent jump up and, and lose their jimmies, and that was uh, Jammer, which is the Z-Force communications specialist. He is a stalker repaint, and Dave uh, Lane mentioned that they would be using the new stalker head sculpt for him. In fairness, Chris McLeod wasn't wearing pants anyway. That's true. That's just so easy for him losing to, his, his jimmies to get rustled. Yeah. He didn't have losing anything. his jimmies was pretty much the next step. Yeah. And continuing on with the UK theme, uh, Tiger Force Sneak Peek and Tiger Force Outback were figures number 11 and 12 who were announced. That was actually a pretty cool touch. Sneak Peek is a character that a lot of people have been clamoring for, especially since he made his return from the dead in the IDW comic book. And uh, Tiger Force Outback with his his kitty shirt is uh, obviously in high demand, too. I'm a little I'm wondering a little bit about these two figures, because we all know the club likes to stick to their paint schemes. So I'm kind of wondering if we should expect kind of how like the Night Force figures were tweaked just a little bit to match the club's teal and, and whatever color scheme they had developed for it. I'm kind of I'm hoping not, but I'm wondering if these two might end up getting tweaked a little bit color wise to match previous Tiger Force figures. Well, they said they would have the blue. Oh, they did say they would have the blue. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, I don't know if they're going to go yellow or orange. Outback never had else. blue, so but uh, but Sneak Peek did. But yeah. Um, but okay. Well, that's good. As long as they're going to stick with that UK color scheme, I'll I'll be happy with that. So there is your twelve, yep. and of course we don't know the thirteenth. And to get the thirteenth, you got to do the subscription, right? And um, Dave did mention that Sneak Peek was going to get a newly tooled accessory. Uh, I'm assuming is going to be probably the Periscope. That's Periscope. pretty unique to him. I mean, we'll see. Um, <laughs> and Tiger Force Outback will have a newly sculpted head. He did mention that specifically, too. So we no longer have to suffer through another snow job repaint. It'll actually be it. Now, unless I'm wrong, also in the podcast of Palooza, Pete Sinclair hinted at a possible new head sculpt for Billy, too. Yes. How many eye-patched heads are there? Correct. Crimson Asp. Yeah. That's not all for the exciting announcements from the Collective no. Roundtable. They also announced the 2016 membership incentive figure, and to great applause throughout the room, they announced Pythona as being the 2016 figure. I'm so happy they're finally getting this figure out of the f***ing yeah. I'm just so tired of hearing about it every year. And now the rampant speculation is that they're going to use Marvel Universe bodies no. to put this again. Oh, my God. Number one, I don't think they'll be able to do that from a licensing perspective. Oh, but Justin, they used other stuff before. Yeah. All right, people, shut up. I, I just want them to go ahead and show a picture or some kind of indication of what it's yeah. going to be so we can stop speculating about it. One thing that, that we got to make sure we, we get out there is that um, just because they're announcing Pythona doesn't mean that their philosophy has changed about retooling or using existing parts or anything. I mean, this is still going to be a, a kit bash figure. It'll probably have a new head. It will probably have maybe like a new cloak or some other new new part or something. But this is not going to be a completely newly tooled, newly sculpted figure. <laughs> 
If it was all new, your membership fees just went up two hundred percent. Or they've been budgeting for this for twelve years, and I don't think that's yeah. the case either. Yeah, don't get your hopes up for that. Just understand what you know. Look at the past few years of convention of not convention, but of membership incentive figures. Look at your Doctor Mindbender, who had you know the new head and the new jacket pieces. Look at your cross country had the new head and the new vest. Look at Dial Tone had the new head and the the backpack. And don't look at Iceberg. Yeah, you notice I kind of glossed over that. <laughs> Uh, Footloose. Yeah, look at Footloose. Well, Footloose only had a new head. I don't know if he had any other new parts. But oh, but he was a winner. Yeah, he's, he was a winner. Yeah, that, that's one thing. They By and large, they've pulled out the stops for the most part on these incentive figures, and they've pretty much always given them a new head and some other new part, whether it's some new secondary or something like that. So I think I would expect that, a new head and one new other piece. But then beyond that, start looking at your female figures and kind of figure out what might work because that's probably what we're going to see. Stop looking at Marvel figures. Yeah, I can't see a world where they're going to use Marvel figures to do this. I mean, not only it's not going to be compatible with a Joe head necessarily, it might be even stored in a totally separate factory that they don't have access to. It could be licensing costs. There's just so many unknowns. And just because they can doesn't mean they should. Right. Those Marvel figures, I just don't find are as high quality as the G.I. Joe figures. They're softer sculpt. No. Joints are more rubbery. I'm not a big fan, so I... They're, they're flimsy. Let's yeah. just not beat around the bush. They're flimsy. I really want them to use it. So I, I, w- I would love to buy that line, but I, I remember picking up a couple of them and just thinking, these are not worth the, the $12 they're asking me to spend. Yeah. Before I forget, also announced the 2016 club incentive offering was Dreadnought Heart Wrencher with the uh, Dreadnought Assault four-wheel drive vehicle. They did say she wouldn't be as scantily clad as her comic appearance was when she appeared first in Devil's Do. All right with that. And she probably won't have any new tooling either, so you know, try to figure out what recipes might work best for her. I would imagine a healthy mix of Zanya and Zorana. Or something. Yeah. Well, they, they said something about a mechanic suit, so I'm thinking there's a lot of Lady J going on. Possible. Or heck, even, you know, you could probably use tunnel, you know, Renegade's Tunnel Rat's lower body with the overalls kind of folded over. That might be kind of a cool mechanic suit and would even work for a baggy uniform on a girl if you really wanted to. So that's a possibility. Just, too. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for some fanboy rage on that one. <laughs> oh, you're going to get it. I want to make sure we don't forget to mention Gary's favorite part of the Collector's Club roundtable, which was the announcement or the, the revelation of more G.I. Joe and Transformers crossover figures. They showed us Marissa Fairborn with, I think it was Afterburn, I think was uh, the motorcycle's name. Uh, I could be wrong on that, so somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was originally called Afterburner, but they had to call him Afterbreaker or something. Okay. And then along with that, they showed our first look at Old Snake, which is a you know how Cobra Commander appeared in a, a Transformers animated uh, series episode back in the 80s. Looks like he's got a Cobra Commander head with a hat and uh, looked like, to me, Rise of Cobra Storm Shadow arms and jacket. And then along with Cobra Commander was a repainted Transformers Prime sound wave as a drone, which they're, they're, they're calling a stealth bat. Correct. Yes. Two of exactly. them. Yes. And it comes packaged in a three pack with two of them. Yeah, apparently they're going all come on the same card? Yeah, a single card with with Old Snake and two Stealth Bats. So I think that's uh, kind of fun. I think the, the Stealth, the Soundwave actually looks pretty cool in those black and yellow bat colors. And Old Snake is, he's pretty neat. He's kind of a, an old animated series stalwart. He uh, carries over pretty nicely, and I think it's a neat thing that they're doing. And the idea right now is to try to have them available at BotCon first. But they will be available to both clubs, the G.I. Joe Club and the Transformers Club. So you don't have to go out of your way and join the Transformers Club in order to get access to them. As long as you're a member of the G.I. Joe Club, you will be able to purchase them just like Transformers fans do. Knock yourselves out, people. We need to talk this up. 
because it really pisses Gary off. Yes. And because he's a completist, he'll be buying them. Don't kid yourselves. He'll be buying them. He'll be in line with the rest of them. No. I am not getting in a line. <laughs> no. He's going to do it. While you're throwing the attention on me, let's not gloss over the 12-inch incentive figure. With oh, my Amazon. God. I can't believe yes. I got that because that was actually a fantastic-looking figure, too. Yeah, <laughs> That is a serious high roller. Mike Powell, the Atomic Man. I, I'm going to say right here and now. I'm going on the record. I am buying both of them next year somehow. I am, you know, I'll I'll have my three and three quarter inch membership, and then I will buy a Mike Power figure because that looks really really awesome. I love the fact they're reasoning to give him two bionic legs. Yes, they gave him one, and he would just run in a circle. <laughs> run in a circle. That was hilarious. I thought that was funny. Run really fast in a circle. And the fact that they're giving him an actual LED yes. eye. That whole thing is just super hot, and they accessory kit and i know 12 inch collectors and the whole 12 inch thing is they demand the accessories because that's what you equip your figure with the accessory kit is just awesome for this thing it is a hot figure all the way around i think it's better than this year's radioactive guy or radioactive man i think in terms of a 12 inch incentive figure it's right up there with the man of evil yes possibly even better oh yeah it's it's right up there it's right up there. and the cool thing they do with these 12 inch figures is that in getting this figure it's almost making me feel like i need to go back and get some of the others because if i end up getting mike power the atomic man well i gotta have somebody for him to fight against you know so now i've got to go back and see if i can get a man of evil or something like that it's dr atomic or whatever his name is yeah yes thank you for catching that i I specifically meant to mention mike power because it's just an awesome 12 inch offering and then i completely forgot anything so we don't have to talk about crossover <laughs> that's the club roundtable anything else out of that that we forgot to mention well, uh, speaking of hot gary your new york yankees have won five out of six <laughs> winning today 13 to four over detroit all right i'm coming home this weekend gary you're gonna have a hat you're gonna wear it oh you're gonna bring me a hat I'll bring you a hat all right man i appreciate it you're gonna wear it following the club roundtable i know a lot of folks stuck around for the voice acting personal stories with morgan lofting zach hoffman and brian cummings Mike and I will get into talking with Brian Cummings and Zach Hoffman a little bit later, but that then leads into the Award Center Costume Contest and the live auction at 7.30. The Saturday Night Showdown that we hyped up here definitely worked. (laughs) The whole theme was picked up by the people that we wanted to be picked up by. Dez had to up her game. Even Savage mentioned that we were pointing out the fact that Dez did not participate last year, therefore never really lost a title, even though Mike says... WrestleMania rules, but I say bullshit. Got to defend the title once in a calendar year. So you had undefeated champion versus reigning champion, Saturday Night Showdown, and folks, it came right down to those two. The, yes. the real battle was for third place. No, third place was pretty well So He had an awesome costume. We knew of one of two tone. people that was going to win first. We knew one of two people that was going to win second. The real fight was for third. If you finished third, you were awesome. The guy that finished third, I didn't catch his name, but he was wearing a Tiger Force dial tone costume and led off with a joke about the Wi-Fi in the place, which we were just having issues with. It was pretty funny. But the rest of the night, it was Dez. It was James. And I really think, folks, if you want to be heard, you need to put yourself at the front of the hall because all of the cosplayers and all of Dez's friends were right at the front of the hall. And when they yelled, they were extremely loud. All of James's friends were in the back. They probably needed to be a little bit more up to the front. But folks, remember this next year. If they do it by applause, which you can maybe count on it because we saw how technology went this year. Adventures, Adventures in Wi-Fi. You got to be heard. It was a great showdown. Dez was dressed in Crimson Asp. James was dressed as Dancing Snake Eyes from the Sunbow cartoon. The Pyramids of Darkness, yeah. Now, now Dez was spot on. 
Yes. yes. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen a costume that was that realistic, to put the term in quotes. It, like, she really did. She looked exactly like the action figure. Exactly. To the last detail. If you want to hear more about what they put into that costume, hit up the podcast of Palooza with Dave and Duvall on Toy World Order. And she talks all about having to up their game once we started hyping this battle. I, I don't want to sound like I'm taking away from her. But at the same time, the club did shoot down James's gimmick. Because James was up there as Dancing Snake Eyes, but James also had help in the form of John Cremines as Dancing Shipwreck and John Cremines' two daughters as Dancing Polly and Dancing Timber. And the whole thing was is that they, they were going to start playing the music from the, the episode, and he was going to start dancing, and the other three of them were going to run up and start dancing in front of the stage. And they wouldn't let the three of them do that. Like, they cut them off. It's a costume contest. I know. I know. It's not a variety show. I, I know. But for 30 for thirty seconds, they, they upset a couple of little girls. It made me a little little mad. Hey, but the girls did all right in their own right. They did. One finished third, and uh, arguably the other one finished fourth. Second. Was it second or fourth? I thought Sergeant Troller beat him. No. The uh, winner of the kids' division, my daughter, she was up there as Ninja Force Scarlet looking all sorts of badass. Very true. She came off quite well. That she did. I appreciate everyone that voted for her. It was excellent. She managed to not cut anybody's thumbs off, which is always a plus. Because if there's one thing we know mom and dad don't need, it's extra litigation. We're fine. I'm just saying. You don't want to be paying that lost thumb money. Moving on to Sunday. <laughs> lost thumb money. Yeah, you're done. I'm easy to amuse. <laughs> Sunday, really, it's wrap-up day. Coming out of this particular day was the Joe Declassified panel. So let's say, except for all the badass paneling that had yet to happen. At 11 o'clock was brunch with what's on Joe Mind, where we were joined by three authors, noted author James Cavanaugh, Mr. Finn, and Carson from 3D Joe's came up to talk about it. And we even had time at the end, and Brian Cummings came up and talked for a while. Yes, we will hopefully have uh, Brian along on a future episode to, to do the, the annual Bill, Bill Ratner Roundup in which we uh, we get uh, some of these folks' reactions to their first JoeCon, which, which Brian, all, all weekend long, we did not have a bigger fan in the house than Brian Cummings. Let me give my Brian story here in a little bit. We'll wrap up pretty much today because not much was really going on as people were kind of leaving for the year at this particular point, catching flights out of either the airstrip in Springfield or taking long trips to St. Louis, Chicago, or Indy to fly out. So people were really having to get out of this place a little early. One of the downsides to Springfield. My opinion of Springfield came up since being there. However, it's not... An easy place to really get to if you're trying to fly to it. I'm sorry. Agreed. We actually probably got the best crowd on Sunday for our panel, and that's not saying a whole lot. It was probably our least attended show. It was probably, I'll be honest, I think it was our best show. Out of the three we've done live at, at JoeCon, I think this was the one with the, the most purpose and the most direction, and, and everybody will get to hear that soon enough. But we maybe had, at, at peak, after everything settled in, we maybe had 60 people, which is a little low for us. After we were done, Des had her panel at one o'clock, and as everybody else was filing out, she 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 asked, "It's like nobody I know got the golden ticket. You're the only one. I need somebody to sit in the front row so I can just interact with you. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like I'm talking to an empty room." And it was really too bad because she she had a great panel. I learned a lot about her craft as far as the cosplaying stuff goes, but it was empty. It was deserted. Everybody was gone by that point. I think I did. I, I, of course, I heckled to the point where I think Morgan Lofton took a swing swing at me. Oh, you probably deserved it. I mean, I probably did. I threw the uh, the infamous "Is it soft?" line out there, mm. and I think at that point Morgan Lofton uh, took. A you swing. Need to go back and listen to the podcast of Palooza to yes. get that particular. Yes, it'll all make sense. 
The drawing for the two trips, unfortunately, Mike, your reign is over. I am done, but the circle of life continues. Coil friend from the Utah chapter. Celebrated Utah chapter. Ended up winning that one. Dustin Hubbard from just outside Provo. 2016, see you in Provo. I was going to say, so next week, next year, it'll be like Denver or something, someplace like that. Provo. Yeah, it'll be someplace close to them. And actually, I want to say both people that won it were pretty deserving because the other guy that won it, I don't know his name. I know he's a 12-inch collector. He's a dealer that shows up every year. I meet him every year. He's been around forever, and he got his chance to win a free trip. It was very cool to see, and it was even more cool to see that Gary didn't win. You know, I did win is that once again, while Savage is pulling out the forms, he drops my, did you put it in the freezer joke? It's a quality gag, man. That's twice he dropped things that I said during our podcast with him. It's, so. it's a quality gag. You sh- you, again, you should be Savage's joke writer. <laughs> so that's it for Joe Con 2015. As always, great to see everyone. Great to meet even more folks. Again, we gave the uh, the the official Con MVP to one DeWitt Beige. And maybe we'll even get him on to, to talk we about it. We need to probably bring him on the show. Him on the show. Time, I, didn't, I didn't even know his name was DeWitt. And I just thought it was D. We might not be able to tell his story as to why he's the con MVP. Well, we can say it, but it's going to sound like this. When <laughs> It's going to sound like that. He looked right at home walking amongst the crowd who had just paid for their convention exclusives that we talked about earlier. He was uh, walking with the same posture as everybody else. Perhaps for different reasons. <laughs> My goodness. He was walking with a limp, but it wasn't because he just handed the club a bunch of money. That's right. <laughs> oh, D is our man for this year. Springfield, Illinois, threw a great party. Yep. Can't overstate enough that that whole town was excited to see us to the point where, where general admission on Saturday was significant. There was a line to get in on Saturday that wrapped around the entire front of the building there they brought him in any apologies that we may owe to misters draper and Duvall for their hometown well tough we're not giving them to you because yeah but springfield illinois great joke on <laughs> now let's work on maybe building up the airport a little bit and we'll we'll make it an even better one one of the things i do every year is i volunteer for the club typically they have me working lines here and there so registration night i typically work the line and then i'll watch door for one of the panels or make sure people have their badges and whatnot and one of the things i typically do every year is i also work the autograph area i got to work the last autograph session with kirk and brian cummins i always try to get in to see him earlier in the weekend so i'm not cutting in front of somebody to get my stuff signed and all weekend long all weekend long the line to see brian cummins all of them for that matter was just long. The whole autograph area. I never saw the line short there ever. Did you guys ever see the line short? No. no. That's great that we were giving these guys attention. Sam Sears, friend of the show, was there. And I said, do you mind if I get in front of you here real quick? Even though I'm working, I just want him to sign my figure. I get in line real quick. Introduce myself. Brian, right off the bat, remembers the show. Remembers me. Remembers Mike. Remembers everything. Okay, f- you too. <laughs> Remember Justin? All right. One of the first shows you showed up on with voice talent. That's right. That's why I didn't want it to be forgotten. Took a pass on Chuck. <laughs> well, I can't blame him for that. Of course, Justin only puts our panel number 11 at the top 10 events. But anyways. Yeah, honorable mention on his top 10. Honorable mention. Also receiving also votes. receiving votes. So one of the things he said is he goes, I want to thank you guys because I don't think I would be here if I wasn't on your show before. Nice. Those were his exact words. I told him, of course, you're crazy and you're Dr. Mindbender and you would have been here anyways. 
but he accompanies the fact that he wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for being on What's On Joe Mind before. He wants to come back on and do his Jocon thoughts and review and everything. We'll get him back on. He was appreciative, shaking hands, taking pictures, giving out hugs. He couldn't give enough compliments, and it really was uh, to stand back and take a little awe and, and think about what we've done, all the 100 episodes we've done, all the special dishes we've done, to get that level of praise from someone that means that much to us was very, very, very cool. Again, same thing with Zach. Zach was a lot taller in Zach was like Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, again, same thing. He remembered all of us. He was very appreciative of everything. We'll get both these gentlemen back on, and we're still trying to get Morgan. She's a tough one to get. The voice talent this year was really, really great. I wouldn't mind seeing folks like Zach and Ryan and Ratner and Mary McDonald Lewis and Michael Bell and Dobson come back every year. Every single year. Absolutely. So I hope on your forums you put down more voice talent. I want Welker to show up for Joker. I want Paulson to show up for Joker. Yeah. This was supposed to be rapid fire, but we got into it a little bit. But hey, it's all good information, and I think everyone can tell we're all pretty excited coming out of this year's Joe Con. So, folks, thanks for listening for this Joe Con. It wasn't so rapid fire, but rapid fire wrap up. So, we'll catch you next time for the next special edition of What's on Joe Mind. See ya. Night, Night everybody. Stock up on cold medicine. Justin, bring in the con. You me. <laughs> Met you, you didn't know how to cook a man. There were so many things about making love you didn't understand. Yeah, but now you know about everything. Yeah.